Pickaxe. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Can we just, can we just count together? One, One two, 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 three, three, three four, four. four. <laughs> I'm not sure that was really helpful. <laughs> no. What do you want to do? Let's do it again. Together. Okay. Ready? One, one, two, two, two. three. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you should just use this as the intro, Steve. Good evening and welcome to One Life Left, the world's favourite video game radio show. We're broadcasting live on Resonance 104.4 FM, but also a podcast. We're going to be talking about video games for the next hour or so. My name's Steve Curran. Hello, I'm Simon Byron. How are you doing, Simon? I'm doing very well. I've, I was just wondering, uh, are we still allowed to say that we're broadcasting live on Resonance FM? Because we're not, this is pre-recorded, isn't it? True, but it is going out live... I don't know People what are listening to it live. <laughs> like yes, to it live. Uh, Let's and, stay with that. And I know we have some listeners live because we occasionally get a letter at around about seven fifteen, and I'm like, yeah, "Oh, that's, that's right, true. we were we were going out live." So good, and we're very grateful. Uh, I do like receiving emails from the studio when we just—it's a little bit of contact, isn't it? Mm. A little bit of contact with our friends. Um, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I've had a nice week. I've played a lot of video games, so I've got stuff to talk about on uh, One Life Left. And yeah, just uh, generally had a nice time. I feel quite energised, although I will say, much like last week, I have no idea what I've been up to. Just to sort of like, <laughs> I feel, I feel content. Um, okay. I'm sure some good stuff has happened. Just can't put my finger on what it was. Well, it'll be, it'll be lovely to find out with you. Um, uh, is this number seven now? This since is show back? seven, is yeah, yeah. Show seven, seven, okay. So we've had we've had one and a half months of us two uh, just talking to each other for an hour a week. Mm, but it's and, and I've enjoyed it. I, I don't get me wrong. I've really, really enjoyed catching up with you, Simon, and I'm sure our listener has as well. But we have had a sort of there's been a challenge, hasn't there? Uh, every week we've talked about getting another another person on air. Uh, with us a guest uh so how have you got on with that well um the good news is i didn't have to do any any further work <laughs> uh having found the guest um just over a week ago and then that guest gained poorly hmm. uh, and so they didn't show last week that guest is with us now the guest is currently on mute <laughs> <laughs> but i'm hoping that shortly we're gonna hear his dulcet tones it's brinley gibson hello brinley Hello. Very nice to be back. <laughs> that was. I'm. I'm hoping that that was a dramatic pause. Mm. You're not um, in this country, Brindley, are you? No. Um, so, what? Two, about two years ago, moved to Sweden. So I currently live in the lovely south of Sweden in a town called Malmö. That's the official pronunciation, is it? It's with the uh, yeah. <laughs> it's good that we've learnt that. You know, after going there for. 
15 or so years doing the radio show out there and all kinds of stuff. Malmur. In a way, it is, it is brilliant to know, uh, given that we're never travelling anywhere again. <laughs> Which is probably a good, t- a good thing for the sort of times that we've had in Malmo. Malmo, of course, the scene where once, uh, for a photo opportunity, Simon lay on a disused rail track, didn't you, Simon? I did. It was a homage to the old silent movies. And what did we discover the year after? It wasn't disused. <laughs> <laughs> Still, we live and learn, Still, and we, we live and learn. just uh, about. Um, so yeah, three of us today. That's really, really exciting. Thank you, Brinley, for our first for being our first guest on One Life Left Lockdown. Yeah, have you have you enjoyed the previous shows, Brinley? This is my third <laughs> attendance. No, I mean yeah. the shows we've been doing during lockdown. Oh, I know. I've been very much enjoying them. Sorry. Yeah. Well, there were, uh, it's a good job that there isn't a uh, test coming later. Uh, <laughs> sort of found you out. We should explain. Uh, you are from Systemic Reaction, which is part of Avalanche Studios. That's right, yeah. So we are the self-publishing uh, part of Avalanche Studios. Are you? That's so that makes, us, that makes us rivals, does it? it uh, in that, well, we're making our own games at the moment. Um, at so. the moment? Yeah, Generation Zero was the game, the first game that sort of came out under that label, um, which was made by a team in Stockholm. And then with the Malma team, uh, we just released uh, in early access on PC, Second Extinction. So that's the second game to come out as part of the Systemic Reaction brand. So you're going to tell us a little bit about those games later in the show. Cool. Which is exciting for us all. We've got an interview segment. Imagine, imagine. It's been a, it's been a long time since we, we spoke to someone else's now. I wonder <laughs> if we're still capable. We're going to find out, aren't we, in about 10 minutes' time. But first, I guess, Simon, we should get on with the news. I love that uh, the news section now on One Life Left is soundtracked by us both clicking frantically around the internet to find <laughs> this week's stories. Have you uh, have you done any prior research today? Yep, ten, ten minutes before we went live, uh, I mm-hmm. loaded up Eurogamer, and uh, it's been another quiet week. I think um, the one th- uh, the one thing that did annoy me the most this week was uh, the fact that Sony have started sending out PlayStation Fives. To people that aren't us. Mm. Uh, so the Eurogamer story is that the PlayStation 5 box lets you know how to transfer data from your PS4, comma, is huge. Uh, Wesley Ian Poole, deputy editor, writes, with the next generation of consoles under a month away, the various products set to be sold are popping up across the world. Last night, various members of the US media revealed they had a PlayStation 5 in tow, showing off the box it comes in. Uh, and they go on to show, yeah, so loads of... Um, you know, more important people in America uh, have been sent PlayStation f- uh, 5s. Um, well, things have very much changed, haven't they? Since, I mean, back in the day, we were definitely on those sorts of lists. We got sent all these kinds of things all the time. But these days, I imagine most of the people getting these things are not journalists, but influencers. Well, there are some press. Uh, Polygon um, got some. Uh, I saw some of the GameSpot team got some. Jeff Keighley got, got one. Um we're no uh, Keeley, yeah. though, are we? We are. We're, we're certainly no Keeley. Um, I got so annoyed by this, and I feel slightly embarrassed. But um, I had to unfollow uh, Shuedo Yoshida. Really? Um, because he was just tweeting out everybody else that had got a PlayStation Five. Now, I really like. I really like him. I have met mm-hmm. him, spent some time in his company. I felt bad about it, but I was getting so jealous of everybody else getting PlayStation Fives. Um, I had to unfollow him temporarily. I mean, maybe if he, stops, if, if he stops sending them out, maybe I'll follow him back. Did you block him, Simon? I haven't blocked him, Brinley, no. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not that bad. 
actually, that reminds me of some correspondence that I did have with uh, Sony Europe, actually. I'm going to read it out to you. Um, I got the email that said, uh, hey, Simon, hope you're well. Quick one. Uh, Do you know what your plans are in regards to, and then I'm going to redact that bit. Mm -hmm. I said, uh, hey, redacted. Mm -hmm. All good here. Hope you're well, too. I then made a joke, uh, which I can't repeat because it would would fill you in on what we're doing. uh, but then I said, uh, we won't be doing that because we aren't. And then I used the swear words. And I said, is that what you were asking? Or do you need anything else from us? <laughs> then I said, do you need an address to send us our free PlayStation 5s, by the way? Mm. Our correspondent says, um, uh, and then ends it with, you're more than welcome to send over your home address, but I doubt a PS5 will be arriving on your doorstep. And then, you know, mere days afterwards... They start showing up elsewhere. I mean, that's a proper slap in the face from Sony, isn't it? It really is. And the most interesting thing that Eurogamer could find to say about this was the transfer speed of PS4 data. Yeah, well, uh, I think their point that they're making is is that there's been some uh, controversy about how you move, uh, whether your save games are compatible between PS4 and PS5 games, uh, because in some instances you can and in some you can't. Mm-hmm. Um, people are really interested in whether you'll be able to download PT from your PS4 to your PS5 mm-hmm. and they're using this uh, the fact that it's, it was highlighted on the box as, um, as a way of uh, raising those questions again sounds to me that the point that they are making is that they've got a PS5 and we haven't well exactly Brilliant. have you got a PS5? I do not have a PS5 um, okay but I do. I, in fact, when I when I worked at Sony back, in, it was uh, actually remember going for my interview the day that everyone in Sony London got their PS4s. So I was sitting just watching this kind of like parade of people going and collecting their PS4s. It was quite lovely, really. Is that what happens at Sony then on on hardware launch day? Is that everyone gets one? Well, I actually can't remember if they were. Buying them at some reduced price, uh, or just or everyone got one. I, I honestly can't remember, uh, but I do know uh, when I passed my probation, I got a Vita. They had a whole room of Vitas. They were chucking them away. Uh. Um, I've got a news story. Okay, Google has distanced itself from the Stadia, well, from a Stadia creative director's comments. That's according to Gama Sutra, where I've lifted this new news story from. Have you, um, <laughs> in the background, my uh, Google, what do they call them? Google. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> they keep changing the name. I think they're called um, Homes now, aren't they? Or Yeah, my uh, Google. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's going off now. Originated from a misspelling of the word Google. Uh, all right, Google. Stop it. Back zeros, off. Which was picked to signify. Okay. So um, this is the news story. Google's distanced itself uh, from a creative director's comments. Uh, Creative director at which studio? Stadia's Montreal studio said that game streamers should be paying devs and publishers of games they stream. On Twitter, Stadia's Alex Hutchinson said, streamers are worried about getting their content pulled because they use music they didn't uh, pay for. They should be more worried about the fact that they're streaming games they didn't pay for as well. How do you feel about that, Simon? I mean, had he been drinking? You have to question um, people that, that go, do you know what? Do you know what I think? I think that I'm, go- I'm going to go on Twitter and I'm going to say this um, about some streamers, uh, despite the fact that my studio is owned by Google, <laughs> which is just, also owns a streaming platform um, and is deliberately uh, tying together its video game ecosystem with streamers. Mm. Um, I don't... When that tweet first went out, I think a lot of people thought that he worked directly for the Stadia team, but it transpires he, he's at a company that they bought a while ago. So it's not a direct... It's not some one of the Stadia team saying, saying it. But, no, um, but that's how it was reported. I saw was, a lot of headlines yeah. that said... Uh, well, in fact, the Gama Sutra one says um, Stadia creative director's comments... Um, which has been, you know, that's technically true. He is a creative director at a studio who uh, make games for Stadia. But the way that has been then parroted on other sites is the creative director of Stadia 
is saying this, which is, uh, you know, a very, very different thing. Um, it's not clear to me whether he was aiming at aiming that at sort of scattershot or at specific games, because as far as I can see, streaming works really, really well for a, a lot of game um, publishers getting their games out there. Um, but it doesn't work so well for, I think, some other games. Narrative games, I think, are more under threat from streaming, right? Or is that not true? Uh, I, well, it's just my opinion. Um, mm-hmm. But I would say, yeah, it's... Um, obviously, marketing video games is hard anyway. Uh, there's so much noise out there, so much content that um, getting people to play your games uh, usually as a way of attracting them to hopefully buy them um, is a really important part of uh, the marketing mix, as people describe it. And the, the way I think about it, certainly with the games that Curve publishes, is that I, um, because so many streamers are, are, are showing your content off all the time, I want people to watch a stream of one of our games and for the experience that they have when they watch a stream to be different to the experience that they have when they play it. Hmm. So uh, that could be either you know a sandbox-style play, something customizable, just the systems that are within the game being different depending on who you are, what have you. Certainly, if you watch a, a linear narrative adventure or a puzzle-solving game, um, you know, if you see somebody solve a puzzle, then you've got no need to play it yourself. So actually marketing through streamers is uh, probably more destructive than um, good. But those, but those games don't really do the numbers on streaming services anyway, do they? The, the sort of narrative. No, that's why they should games. be paying us. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So what, what, what time of night did he put this tweet out there? Does anybody, has anybody looked into this? Something happened. Um, I can click on the tweet, and if it hasn't been deleted, I can tell you exactly when it was put out. Uh, okay, here we go. October 22nd, 4.52pm. Um, but that might be my time, right? And he's yeah, in Montreal. Yeah, it will be your time. He's in Montreal. Yeah. So it's early morning. Early, very, he must have... Something happened to him. Do you know what? I'm going to get up. <laughs> I'm going to say this about streamers. What do you think happened? What, he had a little dream. <laughs> I don't see very strange I was going to say it might have been his morning commute but presumably he's working from home so right just bad coffee terrible breakfast I don't know Snoop Dogg has got a real life Xbox Series X fridge god they're all getting it now well they're a fridge (laughs) I feel less annoyed by this because it's um, (laughs) because Microsoft have only made two of these and it was playing on a joke (laughs) that uh, people on Twitter were making when they're not slagging off streamers um when the Xbox Series was originally, Xbox Series X was originally revealed, people said it looked like a fridge. And so Microsoft's gone out and made one and given it to Snoop Dogg. Uh, did you see the contents of the fridge? He did. He does open it up. Inside it. Yeah. Um, There's an Xbox uh, Series X. Cape, in the fridge? Okay. Inside the fridge. Um, right. Which, yeah, I think is life-size cake. Did you see the uh, news story about Jofra Archer, the uh, England cricket player, and what he's been up to? This week, I didn't know what has he been up to. Well, actually, a little while ago, he tweeted at Xbox at Xbox UK. Um, what does he have to do to get a free Xbox Xbox Series SX? So he said, "How many wickets uh, in the <laughs> IPL to get a free Xbox Series SX?" Which I like. It's quite a direct. It is. Tweet. Yeah, yeah. And they they replied, and they replied, "Just one, David Warner." who is the Australian batsman that everyone loves to hate. Yeah. Um, so lo and behold, they were up against each other last week and he got him, bowled him. Brilliant. Excellent. And then, and then they played each other again a couple of days ago and he got him again. He's getting so he's two. Getting two. He's going to get a Series S and a Series X. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe. Um, one other news story that I've got is that Atari uh, are launching a hotel chain and they've put out some concept art of what that might look like and it's a big old cyberpunk hotel which apparently is going to exist in vegas somewhere have you seen that i'm just a bit tired of what of um because uh uh, the atari company is not atari as we knew it it's a series of um ips that have been transferred through various uh, fire sales i think and so I struggle to have any emotional attachment to it whatsoever. I also find the idea of 
an Atari hotel in this day and, and shouting about an Atari hotel in this day and age when, you know, the only place I visit is my, is, is my son's bedroom. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I find that, uh, yeah, just a little tough to swallow. Well, close your eyes and imagine this that's ripped <laughs> straight from Eurogamer's reporting of the press release. It says Atari hotels will perfectly blend the past present and future of video games and entertainment for a -a one-of-a-kind hospitality experience complete with state-of-the-art amenities for esports fans and content creators. Sounds exciting, right? That's not all. Guests staying at the hotel will be able to enjoy the latest in video games, experience cutting-edge, immersive entertainment, purchase exclusive Atari Hotels merchandise, and play the night away in retro-style gaming arcades. I I, I mean, I know that uh, not just shaking your head in silence isn't the best radio. (laughs) (laughs) But unfortunately, I'm I'm unable to use the words that I want to. So I'm going to leave it there, Steve. That's all the news I've got, Simon. Thanks, Steve. One Life Left Video Game News with Anne Scantleberry. You're listening to One Life Left on Resonance 104.4 FM, live and also recorded. We're One Life Left and we're a video game radio show. And for the first time this season, this One Life Left lockdown, we have a guest, don't we, Simon? Brinley Gibson, so lovely to see you. Thank you for joining us all the way from Sweden. How's it been? Very good. I haven't seen you for ages because of no. this pandemic. Um, and uh, I, haven't, I haven't seen uh, many people. No. So when was the last time I saw you? It's going to be... No, it wasn't GDC. Um, another event. Must have been something. Could have been GDC, Let's you think. know. It was almost... Yeah, it's like a year and a half, perhaps. Mm. Perhaps, anyway, anyway, I, that, anyway. That was, I was I was using this show for my own personal <clears throat> benefit then because uh, it's been too long. Wave, so, what have you been up to? Uh, well, um, I've been busy uh, getting this this game out uh, into early access. So, um, since I moved to Sweden, we actually we set up a studio here, built a team, and made a game in like two years. <laughs> so, tell us so about busy. the game. Uh, so uh, Second Extinction, it came out on Steam Early Access, I think on the 13th, I want to say. And uh, it's a beautifully high concept game. Um, evil mutant dinosaurs have taken over the Earth and you have to fight to take the planet back. Uh, it's a co-op FPS. And uh, yeah, it's been developed and published by Systemic Reaction. And uh, we've it's been really fun. This is probably the most gamey game game I've ever made. I've made lots of weird things, and this is uh, full-on uh, Ron Seal. It's a it's a term <laughs> lost on the Swedes, but works with the uh, the Brits <laughs> that we have in the studio. It does what it says in the team. So it's uh, you versus mutant dinosaurs across um, a series of maps. I've played um, I've played it a bit. I found it quite difficult. Is that more me or you? I found it. I found, I found it really hard. Um. So did you, uh, so there's a couple of different things happening. Uh, so we want people to play together. Um, and so if you play in co-op, you can assist each other, you can revive each other and uh, use your abilities together. But you can also uh, bring down kind of extra health, extra ammo, that kind of thing. Um, and different team members can bring down different things. So you always, the, if there's all three of you there, you can better support each other. But we've also got this dynamic system of difficulty this threat level that changes so different regions have different difficulty on each week it it updates each week uh so that can kind of depending on the mission you pick you could end up with one that's in a very hard area having said that um we have announced that we are working uh, on an update that will uh, bring in uh, actual difficulty settings um, and if you take the higher difficulties, it will um, give you more rewards. Well, and that uh, difficulty comment was no, well, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that. I was just wondering whether it was my skills or not. But if you're saying that at this it's stage, it's, it's, it's <laughs> no, I mean, sensible soccer world champion. No, I, I, I've, been do- I've been playing it a lot um, with um, uh, sort of 
various uh, people, you know, to promote the game. And uh, I'm I am not terribly good, and uh, okay. it's been great by being carried by expert games journalists. That's been uh, quite enjoyable. Excellent. As I'm What's yakking it? away, and they just carry me through the game. So I have enjoyed that. I've got a question. Um, when you're playing people at your own game, and specifically a game like this, where you are trying to bring someone new on board into your game, trying to get them to like it, but you're also playing it versus them a little bit. Um, do you go easy on them to get them to like it more? Well, we can't. There's no. It's no player versus player. It's all of us against oh, the enemy. Okay. So we can we can help people out. I so I know. Yeah, uh, quite a lot of people in the team do go on and play with people and don't say that they're a team member. They play with their mm. personal account, um, and uh, yeah, they've. I mean, it's a great way of doing research. They see where people are struggling and uh, sort of running into problems. So lots of the designers are like, hmm, had a good session, played with some newbies. Uh, but they can help guide people around. Uh, There's this guy from the radio job. show, he was it's, rubbish. It's, it's easy enough for people to pick up the basics. <laughs> but I thought it looked beautiful. Well, Sam, um, if I get your Steam ID, I can always go in and... <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Buff me up. Um, yeah, no, I thought it looked beautiful. Obviously a fantastic idea as well. What's not to like about uh, shooting dinosaurs? Um, what I did like about it, Despite the fact that I found it, I, I was I, I found it quite uh, tricky initially. Was that it did seem to be quite liberal? Um, maybe it was because I was playing on my own. That ability, you know, often um, games like this can be quite stingy with things like ammo and and uh, health. And you know, for me, that causes a bit of problem because, as we've established, I'm not very good. And therefore, if I'm working to a game that's got tight ammo, I can really struggle. Whereas here, it seemed that um, you can just call stuff in all the time which i thought was a really nice touch didn't make me so concerned was that a deliberate uh choice then to, to go down this more generous? yeah i mean we've we we've gone back and forth you know as, as we kind of like move the game through pre-production into production uh and trying out different balances uh you know and how should should ammo be restricted at one point you had it was um endless you know uh, ammunition in your weapon but we like felt that was missing something, so then we introduced ammo, but we still wanted it to be very generous. So it was a deliberate choice, uh, but the one that came out of kind of playtesting and finding the right feel for the game. Why did you decide to do early access? Well, I so like we're a new team, and we're not huge. We're like 35-ish people, um, and uh, it's been pretty intense bringing everyone together you know, making this game, then a pandemic turning up. Wonderful, thank you. Uh, and as we're making it, we, we thought, you know, what this is an FPS, it's a very competitive space. Um, what we kind of needed was to get as much edge as we can on other titles out there. And we, we did actually start to do a lot of user testing, but we thought, hmm, Actually, if we could go into early access, that would be the best way of user testing this game, is if we could start building the community, uh, have their reactions to the game, we can then build more content, but fine-tune and deepen the experience so that when we fully release, uh, we've kind of really nailed it. Because uh, we found like early tests, there was something special. Um, we knew there was something there, um, so we didn't want to squander the opportunity. We wanted to get it right uh, and take our time with it. You, so you're now committed to uh, to um, pushing out an update every week, are you? Is that is, it, is that 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 must be really tricky, wasn't it? No, no. Well, that's sorry. The the war effort system that's actually a systemic uh, something that just happens with our back end. So it's built, and it's it's the player community. Depending on how they play the game as a whole, like where they kill dinosaurs, where they complete missions, that impacts uh, what the dinosaurs do. So it's like a community meta game. So. Um, we we tot up everything the community's done. Then we kind of like roll the dice for the dinosaurs. They push back, and then that changes the map uh, and how things. So, um, however, we are going to be doing updates uh, pretty regularly, but not as regularly as that uh, because that would obviously be insane. So, um, first game from the uh, studio. Are you are you um, are you working on anything else at the moment, Brindley, or is this is, is this the sole focus right now? This is the sole focus. Um, we've got a kind of uh, an early access roadmap planned. Uh, you know, things we want to do uh, with space to kind of 
hear things from the community. But the idea was always that this was going to be a live game. So even when we come out of early access, uh, we're going to be supporting the game uh, with updates as we go along. And that's uh, part of the kind of systemic reaction uh, pillars, if you like. We, that is, we want games that are kind of deeply community interactive and live games uh, that we can sort of build and evolve over time. And more, more generally then, um, you know, we joked about you moving to Sweden during a pandemic and making games and all the rest of it. Obviously, Sweden has uh, approached everything very differently uh, to the rest of the world. How, 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 how are things over there? So it's kind of strange. In some ways, you could imagine there is no uh, pandemic on. Right, I can go into town right now. People don't really wear masks here. That's very occasional. You'll see masks. Uh, restaurants are pretty full. Uh, but there's lots of outside space. People are kind of eating outside and a bit more spaced out than normal. Um, we've, I mean, work-wise, the, the general rule has been, if you can work from home, please work from home. Um, and so we had everyone working from home um, for most of the year. We've had then some people, uh, a reduced kind of staff uh for some technical reasons in the office, but generally, yes, yeah, every, everything switched to remote working. And as I was saying to you uh, before we started, I was lucky enough to go and hide in the woods uh, for about six months, and uh, it was quite peaceful. I mean, I went a bit stir crazy when the family wasn't there. Um, it got a little bit shining, and, right. but it was good times. How long were you on your own then? I spent, I mean, there was one point I think I was. Just me and my dog, and I didn't see anyone else for three weeks, and that was quite strange. And uh, so we ha- we have this, uh, yeah, sort of dilapidated house in the woods, um, and uh, yeah, that was interesting. Well, it's uh, it's a pleasure to be talking to you now. Thank you very much. I'd forgotten. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd 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 forgotten how happy you make me, Brinley. So, <laughs> <laughs> So uh, I, uh, I, I genuinely hope uh, we get to see you again in person soon. Well, I hope so. I hope so. I, you know, it's uh, obviously I have lots of family friends in the UK. I was very lucky. My brother uh, was working in Denmark um, and there was a kind of window where he could get in uh, and, and was here for a couple of weeks. So I got to see him for a weekend, uh, which was very nice. But for all, yeah, all, all of us Brits working over here, um, everyone kind of wants to go home, and we can't really at the moment. So it's yeah, quite quite a struggle in that regard. Uh, but um, you know, fingers crossed, my folks can make it over before Christmas. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. Best of luck with it, and um, keep us posted on the game. When are you coming out of uh, early access? So we don't have any kind of set date. You know, it's the old when it's ready. Uh, obviously, internally, we've got kind of targets and ideas of what we want to we want to hit, um, and we have you know announced, but with very little detail, that we are working on Xbox as well, and there'll be more details about that coming soon. Interesting. All right. Well, we'll keep an eye out for that.
You're listening to One Life Left on Resonance 104.4 FM, or maybe you're listening to our podcast, which you can download at www.onelifeleft.com. That was a piece of music that's available on chipmusic.org. I can't tell you what that piece of music was because we haven't yet put it into the show. That, I guess, is a clue that this isn't exactly live, but it is brilliant, and you can find out the name of the artist from the website that I've already told you about. I think it's time for our letters section. Thank you very much for your letters. Uh, We've had a couple come in over the week, uh, so it's good to know you're out there listening. Please do keep them coming to team at onelifeleft.com. Chris Conroy writes, dear team and SSG. God, that's the first time we've been able to actually say that without (laughs) any sort of embarrassment. Yeah. Dear team and super special guest. Um, He writes, one of the great things about being behind the curve is bringing older games back into the conversation long after the fuss has ended. So with that in mind, I've just finished Return of the Obra Dinn and had a brilliant and thoroughly satisfying time with its unique temporal detective puzzle mechanic. Let's hope it gets the recognition it deserves. However, it did come very close to getting rage deleted from my Switch as, about a third of the way through, it opens up the option to end the game. I thought it might have been a fake ending, so I decided to follow that route and ended up at the credits weighing up whether I was prepared to play it back again just to carry on from where I took a wrong turn. Cleverly, the game includes a feature to backtrack from the save for idiots like me, so order was restored and I was able to carry on with my maritime investigations. What diving catches have games made to keep you playing them when it looked like they were about to get thrown away? Conversely, what was the last thing that instantly turned you off a game that you were enjoying? Your chronological Columbo correspondent, Chris Conroy. Good questions. Um, Very good questions. I had a, I had a similar. Well, not not similar. So, something. Yeah, uh, I finished Dishonored uh, one um, as we discussed last week, and that's got an ending that um, that surprised me actually. Um, so, how last week we left it at a point where, if you remember, I asked you on the show. How far away do you think you're from that ending? Yeah. We talked a little bit about that we being did, a problem we? with video games. How far were you? Well, I wasn't as close as I said. I, I, I definitely was, was I? Um, okay. I think it was another couple of hours, uh, so I had to carry on playing. Um, but, uh, yeah, right at the end, I thought, oh, okay, um, this is a, a pretty tricky situation I've found myself in. Uh, I thought, I'll just try this, see what happens, and then it just kicked me out. To the cre- it ended. Oh. Um, and then I went, fortunately, I saved it. Not stupid, Steve. Went back and got mm-hmm. different credits, so that was good. <laughs> <laughs> I actually turned off the Obra Din before this, uh, before Chris's section, because I found it far too clever for me. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Kate, Kate, my wife finished it. Brilliant. Have you, have you played Return of the Obra Din? I, I haven't, but I did actually um, go to get it the other day because there was a little sale on Steam, so Just... it goes into the pile of shame. <laughs> Uh, Chris's question then so diving catches uh, to make you keep playing when it looked like they were about to get thrown away uh, I, I think if I'm ever close to that these days we've discussed it over the last couple of shows actually I've become such a harsh person to um, impress that um, as soon as as soon as there's one misstep with a game it's off now for mm, me yeah absolutely the same um, there's a game that I was I was really, really enjoying, uh, which I think was called My Hidden Things, which aesthetically was absolutely beautiful and really enjoyed the mechanic, which is basically searching through pictures uh, for objects it described. It's like a indie hidden object game. Really, really enjoying it. And then it did something with the plot. It had kind of a plot device that I absolutely hate. Just basically a um, a cheap, mawkish way to make people feel sad. And I was like, I'm done. I'm, I'm out. I don't need this. There are so many games that just turned me completely against the whole thing. Which is a shame because the game remains the same. But I am really finely tuned to bad... I'm not going to say bad writing, but cheap writing in video games and that killed that for me i'm trying to think of think of the opposite um something that yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna dwell on that for a little longer chris and might come back to it later in the show probably won't probably will forget 
I promise to do that, but maybe sometime in the future. Uh, shall I do the next letter? Okay. All right. So, Go for it. Um, We've got this letter uh, from Phil Lunt. Phil is our under-caretaker, so it's a good job he's listening, frankly. Hello, team, and dare I risk it, SSG. Well, you are fine with risking it this week, Phil. After reminiscing about old video games with friends recently, I dug out my wood-finished Atari 2600 that one of my older brothers bought for the family a million years ago back in 1983. One of the games we spent a ridiculous amount of time on back then was Raiders of the Lost Ark, a blocky attempt at capturing the essence of the film that we'd all gather around to play but never completed. So I fired up the now antique, surely, machine to see if my extra years of gaming experience would amount to anything and hell's teeth, no they did not. I still don't have a clue what I'm doing and the game is as hard as nails. I'm determined not to read any walkthroughs or watch any video guides. Completing this game is my white whale. My question is, do you have any games that you just couldn't complete, no matter how hard you tried, or maybe didn't get a chance to complete, but still thinking of retu- think still think of returning to one day? Uh, Tata for now, Phil. What about you, Simon? Because I know exactly what my answer is here. Yeah, I guess the one I would use as an example would be Dragon's Lair. I promised you I'd finish it a couple of years ago. I never did, never did. And I, I, um, the only thing that has happened with me in Dragon's Lair is that I now uh, legally own it on more formats to <laughs> to never finish it on. Um, yeah. I picked it up on Switch and uh, along with uh, Dragon's Lair 2 and Space Ace, two other games I've never finished but, but would like to. What about you, Brindley? Oh, I mean, there's quite a lot out there. Um, if I go for something recent uh, that I've been installing, playing, then uninstalling, it's uh, Total Warhammer 2. Um, I love the concept, uh, and I am just get along a certain bit through the story, and then it all goes to shit, and then I have to start again. And so off it goes for a few months. Um, yeah. So my answer is uh, a game I must have mentioned on the radio show before, but is relevant today because of a game I'm going to talk about in the review section, which is Exile, the BBC micro game from 1988. Uh, absolutely obsessed with that game back then, and I'm still sort of obsessed with it now because I think it was a forerunner to many modern games in uh, you know a dozen different ways, specifically physics puzzles uh, and pixel simulation. Um, it's a, I guess back in the day you would call it an arcade adventure where you find objects and use them to solve puzzles in the environment. Brilliant science fiction theme to it, and I've never completed it. And I got significantly far through it, and every time I go back to it in an emulator now, I get a little bit far, further through, but I've never ever got to the end. That is definitely my white whale. Good. Well, thank you both for your letters. Do keep them coming in, uh, and you know. I'd be interested to see whether people have got any confidence in us following this show and whether they will continue to risk uh, saying hello to our SSGs. But, but uh, please do keep the letters coming to team at onelifeleft.com.
One Life Left on Resonance 104.4 FM. I forgot to mention earlier in the show, we are doing Marioki this Friday. Marioki is our karaoke event, which is now online. You can find us at twitch.tv slash singmarioki. Uh, we're going to do a special one this Friday night. It's a spooky Marioki, Halloween themed. Please come and join us at that address. Uh, I think we start around 8pm. If you've got any questions, you can find our Discord at discord.io slash singmarioki. Uh, do wear fancy dress on Friday. <laughs> I have got something very, very special Hello. planned. I've got an outfit. Yeah. I'm not, I don't think I'm giving too much away. Although I'm not sure it will attract more people to the stream to say that I'm going to be wearing a bit of lycra. Hello. On, uh, <laughs> I'm wearing a bit of lycra. Right. On on, uh, on uh, Friday night. You've become really you've, looking forward to you've it. You've become one of them people on the internet now, Steve. Have you? Can we tip you? <laughs> Very specialist. Uh, you can. Okay. You, can, you know, there's a there's. We'll see how much uh, money <laughs> money uh, my special uh, suiting up raises on friday night but i'm very very much looking forward to it we'll see whether our viewers are uh i think we've previously peaked at around about 50 or 60 simultaneous viewers on twitch wow there'll be a uh, there'll be a rush i'm sure i am um, yeah. i often think of i often think of brindley when i think of marioki because we he um he hired us for a a summer party on a boat didn't he I remember that. And that was the first time that uh, I performed Back to Black. Uh, yeah, that was good fun. Back to Black, um, uh, which was um, not particularly complimentary to somebody very senior at Sony. Uh, <laughs> I felt I felt a little awkward, um, but it went down okay, I think. <laughs> it did go down okay. I've got a little video of that. <laughs> But, um, you know, if there is any good to come out of the pandemic, uh, it is that everybody can attend a Marioki now, no, no matter where they are. So, you know, whilst that performance was quite exclusive, uh, now anybody can see, can't they? It reminds me of the time that we got bullied into singing a song about Notch and Minecraft at a, a private party at GDC in front of four very, very senior members of the <laughs> Microsoft Minecraft team. <laughs> Who just stood there as we <laughs> we we sang? Um, I would do anything for love, but I won't Minecraft. And uh, at the end of it, they just said, "That's a true story, man. That's exactly how it happened." <laughs> so, who knows? No risk, no reward. Is it time for our review section? Let's do it. Simon, what have you been playing this week? Well, I finished Dishonored, as I said. I really, really, really did enjoy it. I enjoyed it so much that I almost immediately went on to Dishonored 2. Uh, but then I remembered what happened with Bayonetta and Bayonetta 2, which I loved Bayonetta. And I thought, I'm going to start playing Bayonetta 2 immediately. Uh, and then I went, oh, blimey, it's just like the first game, isn't it? I've, I've just, I, I was already getting a, I was already looking forward to the ending of the first game. So why have I suddenly started this? And then I've sort of left it midway through. So... I'm not going to do that. I've decided to uh, continue down my list of games that I should have played more of. Um, and so I pop, I've popped back to Batman Arkham Knight, um, which was the last in the Rocksteady trilogy of Arkham games. Um, uh, yeah, I couldn't tell you how many years old it is. Uh, I mean, it's at least six or seven. I, a lot of people, have, because we're nearing the end of a generation, a lot of people are reflecting on the highlights and I did see it pop up in a number of people's lists of uh, games of the generation so um, yeah it's uh, it's it's all right actually I mean I'm, I'm a big bat fan uh, as we know and um, I think uh, yeah it's great being back in the Arkham world it looks lovely it's got a it's got a confidence about it that I think is um, it's uh, yeah. It's 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 difficult not to feel drawn into the into Gotham's story through just the way that the just the way that the camera moves. I think you know, Rocksteady have got this way of delivering narrative with effectively one camera sweep. I think you know. So it will often you know rather than what many games do when you're going down corridors, they'll sort of make or make you turn a corner in order to sort of load something else in. The way that Rocksteady swoop around the city go into the Batmobile and come back out again to, to probably to mask something going on in the background I think is really really impressive I think the only thing um, I'm struggling with is that um, you know whilst the Arkham series uh, 
uh, introduced this um, this melee brawling uh, mechanic um, that has since been uh, aped or emulated by other titles. I think uh, more recent games, such as something like Spider-Man, I think have, have refined them. And so going back to a slightly um, older system um, has been a bit jarring. Uh, the other thing is that I think it's, it's just too big. It's just too big mm. of, um, uh, you know, me, I, I want to get in, I want to do the story, I want to get out. Um, but it's introduced so much optional stuff that I'm, I'm a little wary about. I'm like, okay, well, should, should I be do, Should I be trying to rescue Catwoman, Steve? Uh, you know, <laughs> is that going to help me? Uh, like, am I going need to need to have done it by the time I get further in the story? Anyway, I've decided to push on and just go through the golden path, as I believe that it's called. Um, and, and yeah, thoroughly enjoying it. It's really, really clever. I think, you know, obviously Rock, Rock, Rocksteady have got absolutely into their stride by this point. And um, yeah, for, for a superhero game, uh, yes, it's uh, it's looking a little rough. Uh, so it's not looking, it's playing a little rough in parts. And, and yes, the Batmobile bits are... Are, 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 are pretty bad, but but the rest of it is so good that um, I think I, th- I think I'll see this one through to the end, but not not all of it, obviously. Uh, seven out, yeah. So so, so so I'm sorry, Catwoman. I can't see you getting out of that. Uh, seven out of ten. We'll find out, won't we? Whether you see it through to the end <laughs> uh, over the next few weeks, I imagine. Brinley, what are you going to review for us this time? I uh, have been playing Link's Awakening on the Switch, which is the oh. remake uh, of the Game Game Boy game. I can't remember what type of Game Boy was that. It was the original Game Boy. Game Boy. Come no. on, it was the original Game black, Boy. Black and white, yeah. yeah. There you go. Um, and I haven't played Zelda for a little while, and I'm I'm sort of dipping in in and out of it, which I guess is the benefit of the Switch. Um, I've been able to, you know, sometimes play in the living room, but also take it with me, and, and it's working okay. But it's of it. Mm, I feel uh, Breath of the Wild so beautifully did the um, the blend of something that was portable and something that you could sit down and play for several hours. And this is obviously a, you know, a remake of an older game, and it is suffering a little bit of that. But it's very cute. Um, it's nice being in, back in that world again uh, and uh, exploring it. Good. You're going to give it a score? <laughs> I have to score it. Yes. Um, I mean, I think, what would I go for? Probably 7 out of 10. Right. Okay. So I've been playing two games that I want to talk about. Um, so first off, I played this game so much earlier this year that I'm not actually sure whether it uh, overlapped with one life left uh, or whether we'd gone off air and then I started playing it have I mentioned Noita yes you have yeah in fact I'm surprised you've not brought it back up since it came out of early access well that is exactly what I'm doing right now came out of early access last week uh, I think Um, 15 uh, launched did it okay launched properly have you played it Simon I've not no okay it is fantastic and I am back in Noita is a side on uh, roguelike and I guess is why I fell for it so much in the start it really really reminds me of Exile um, it's a it's a modern take on that every game you're using physics to solve new generative puzzles that are presented to you um, and I'm not great at it but I just noticed when I was trying to answer Chris's question from earlier in the show looking at games that I played for a long time Noita is now at the top of my Steam list with 269 hours yeah by some distance as well but the other game I want to talk about is I Am Dead uh, which is uh, Hollow Pond's new game um, and every Hollow Ponds game that I've played, I've enjoyed in some respects, but I think I Am Dead is my favourite so far. It's a game where you, it's a narrative puzzle adventure game, game where you play a man who used to run a museum on an island and it transpires, spoiler warning, that he's dead. You play his ghost and you've got to communicate with the ghosts of some other people on the island and persuade them to become a spirit guardian of a volcano on the island to stop it erupting. That's the setup, but the actual gameplay is basically looking at other people's memories of these dead people from the island 
and finding objects that are important to them. Through that, it tells the story of these people who've passed away. Um, and it's really sort of slow-paced and gentle and kind of genuinely affecting as well. In a way, I didn't think it would be to me because, as I said, I am on a hair trigger when it comes to narrative and almost straight away I was like, this is going to annoy me, this is going to annoy me. And you know, like, maybe a couple of lines here or there do, but that's in a game which is so dense um, in terms of world building. These little descriptions of objects on every object which are almost neutral, but just colourful enough to give you uh, a sense of someone else's life. That I think it's a really, really impressive work. If you can write that much without, with, you know, with leaving me largely unannoyed, that's really, really, really good. Uh, like, genuinely. And that's one part of it. The other part of it is the mechanic, which is really quite clever. Every object you find in the world, you can zoom into as this ghost. And when I say zoom in, almost like bisect it in that kind of, you know when you've got clipping off in a world and you're literally clipping through an object and seeing it sliced up? That's what it feels like. You're moving through these objects. So for example, there's a lettuce, well, there's a fridge, right? And you clip through that and then you can see a lettuce in it. And so you lock onto that and clip through the lettuce and then you can see a little uh, caterpillar munching its way through the lettuce. And that, spoiler warning, sorry, is one of the quests to find this caterpillar. And basically it's a hidden object game, but with objects hidden inside, objects hidden inside, objects, and each of those objects lovingly crafted, super, super pretty and stylish as well. And I'm genuinely a little bit in love with it. Seven out of 10. What format was it on, Steve? Uh, I played it on Steam, but I assume uh, it's on uh, console as well. Uh, I haven't looked into that. I, it'd be, I, I, it must be a Switch game. It's published by Annapurna, who, you know, Is it okay? yeah, have a pretty good track record for making these sort of games, the sort of games that I love to enthuse about. And yeah, that makes me think it's on. It's on. Right. Well, it's good. It's good job. Well. Good job. Brindley was here to confirm here that. Oh, no, fact checker. <laughs> Brilliant, Brilliant. it's been such a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks, Brindley. That was really nice to hang out with you (laughs) two and uh, catch up a little bit. Um, Yeah, best of luck with the game. Uh, Second Extinction is available on Steam now, and I think you mentioned that it's coming to uh, Xbox, potentially, or something's happening there. Uh, More news soon. Um, Yeah, and we'll we'll hopefully stay in touch, Brindley, won't we? Absolutely. All right. Thanks, Brindley, and thanks, Simon, and thanks to everybody who's been listening to this episode of One Life Left on Resonance 104.4 FM or as a podcast as well. We will be back next week with another special guest site. Yes. Or if not, it'll just be friendly again because it's been so nice. Until Until then, then. we'll see you soon. See you later. Goodbye. Bye, 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 bye. 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 Bye.